From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear To fathers on dimly lit street corners Instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open You be queen You were fire You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters They called you wisdom Proverbs On the backs of diamond-eyed school children who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. Be smart. Be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone, and prayer. Be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter, and daughter told the ancestors, and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come, dropping gem, dropping gem. Welcome back to another episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. I'm Debbie Brown. This is my show. We explore all things higher consciousness, spirituality, and most importantly, make them applicable to our day-to-day, moment-by-moment life in service to our liberation radical healing, radical self-acceptance, radical self-love. Today's episode is, I am certain, going to be a very expansive and perhaps emotional show for many of us that get a chance to hear from my very esteemed guest. We're going to be talking about somatic abolitionism today. I've referenced on the show quite a bit the importance of a somatic practice. I do not believe that it is possible to reconnect to our wholeness, to reconnect to our highest selves, to reconnect to our highest vision, or to do the deepest healing possible for ourselves or for our family lineages without somatic experiencing. It has been a revolutionary part of my practice And today's guest not only is an expert and an innovator and a visionary in this field, he is someone who has been doing some of the deepest and most challenging healing work possible, facilitating it, creating it for 30 years before conversations like this were happening anywhere. He answered this calling on his life and showed up in powerful service for so many. So I am so excited about this show, and I I want you to feast on his full bio. Um, so I will very, very um, reverently share all the details about my special guest today. Resma Menakim is joining me today on Dropping Gems. Resma Menakim is a healer a longtime therapist, and a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in the healing of trauma. He's also the founder of the Cultural Somatics Institute, a cultural trauma navigator, and a communal provocateur and coach. Resma is best known as the author of the New York Times bestseller, My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies. And as the originator and key advocate of somatic abolitionism, an embodied anti-racist practice of living and culture building, he is also the author of Psychology Today's Somatic Abolitionism blog. For 10 years, Resma co-hosted a radio show with former U.S. Congressman Keith Ellison on KMOJ-FM in Minneapolis. He also hosted his own show, Resma in the Morning, on KMOJ. Resma has appeared on both The Oprah Winfrey Show and Dr. Phil as an expert on family dynamics, couples in conflict, and domestic violence. He has also been a guest on Charlemagne the God's Comedy Central TV program, The God's Honest Truth. You gotta watch that. And on iHeartRadio's The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God and Angela Yee and DJ Envy. He currently hosts the Gorilla Muse podcast on the Amplify Voices platform. Resma has served as the Director of Counseling Services for Tubman Family Alliance, a domestic violence treatment center in Minneapolis, the Behavioral Health Director for African American Family Services in Minneapolis, a domestic violence counselor for Wilder Foundation, a divorce and family mediator, 
a social worker from Minneapolis Public Schools, a youth counselor, a community organizer, and a marketing strategist. From 2011 to 2013, Resma was a community care counselor for civilian contractors in Afghanistan, managing the wellness and counseling services on 53 U.S. military bases. As a certified military family life consultant, he also worked with members of the military and their families on issues related to family living, deployment, and returning home. Resma helps people rise through suffering's edge. His work focuses on making the invisible visible. You can learn more about Resma and his work at his website, resma.com. That's R-E-S-M-A-A.com. And on his Instagram feed, which is Resma Minikim. Wow. Woo. Here he is. Good Lord. So welcome to the show, Resma. <laughs> oh, this is good. I've been, I've been looking forward to this uh, uh, ever since we met. I've been looking forward to uh, sitting down and just chopping up with you. So I'm. Uh, this is. Uh, I'm. 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 I, I might be more excited about doing this than you are. I. I actually feel like I'm about to cry. So yeah, I'm know. gonna take the. I'm gonna take the crown for that one because, you know, my God. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Let me get rooted mm. and anchored in the present moment. Um, I. I really want to start this conversation with you by first and foremost saying thank you. Mm. Thank you so much for the work that you do. And thank you for doing this work for so long because that's the thing that I think is so striking to me when I explore your work, when I explore this moment in human history. You know, the rest of the world is just, just starting to not even catch up, just starting to open their eyes to the idea of trauma, to the idea of the importance of somatic healing and somatic development. And you have been doing this work for decades, mm-hmm. for so long. Mm-hmm. And to answer that call when other people don't understand is mm-hmm. just such a next level of courage and a next level of anointing and purpose from God. And I just want you to know that I recognize that. And I am so grateful for your life. And I'm Mm. so grateful for the depth of work that you have shared with the world. Mm. Mm. You know, uh, um, so when when I'm when I'm working with people or doing trainings and stuff like that, one of the things that I say to people is that you know, you I the the level of brutality that happens when you're trying to tell particularly brown and black and indigenous people that they're not defective, mm. even when you don't really even have the words to describe it yet. Um, all you have is notions. All you have are are sensations that ooh, some something is off here, or something's not quite right, or there's more. And I, the way that I think about this is that the brutality, the viciousness, the the attacks that actually come from people that look like me, um, all of those things are 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 reps, are conditioning, are temperings. Um, to to cultivate a container that can actually withstand what you're trying to bring forth, mm. and um, I don't like all of the all these thirty thirty five years of doing this work. I don't. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give up any part of the process. There's no with people saying you know um. all kind of stuff. Just you know. And uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. And so thank you for saying that, you know, um, um, that's starting to happen, particularly it's, it's starting to happen more and more where particularly black women are saying that to me. Um, that it's just really, you know, you know, black dudes will, will <laughs> give me some dap and, and 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 and, you know, like Charlemagne will sit with me and talk with me a little bit. But it's the black women that I'm starting to hear this stuff from a lot. Like, you know, thank you. And and mm. you gave me words. I already knew this stuff, but you helped me kind of um, articulate it in ways and in context that is that soothes me. And so for me, 
you know, because for me, black women are the start of human creation. When mm-hmm. I hear that, I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing all right. So thank mm-hmm. you for saying that to me. Mm. It's an honor for me to share that with you. And I think, you know, what some of what you just touched on, what I've recognized as the leading force of my work when I first started down this path of being a healer and being a teacher was really like for me, the driving whisper in my ear was like, we need more emotional depth, more mm-hmm. emotional depth in our communities. Yeah. That, that was one of the first ways that I found this path and why I knew I wanted to use my voice and speak in the way that I do because, yeah. and, and, you know, and that will lead me into the understanding of the body, but it's like, if we, if we don't have more ways to understand ourselves and to yeah. understand our feelings and to explore it, mm-hmm. we stay culturally in this loop of yeah. profound pain. Yeah. Yeah, and we yeah. forget the history of the pain. We forget mm. we don't have the language because we weren't allowed it. We forget the, con- the context. Have- that's it. Yes. Yeah. Uh. That's it. What we do is so. There's this thing when I do my training. There's this thing that I talk about called HIP. H I P P. Right. And the, it's the way that I talk about when we when we watch a like like when we watch a black body being destroyed right like we 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 there's there's a level of collective anguish that happens throughout mm-hmm. our community mm-hmm. right and we we what happens is we take we take that collective anguish and we make it personal anguish um because we because it's happening to us personally so we, so we don't so so the weight of it both withers and weathers us, right? And so when we're sitting there and we're trying to handle a communal horror with individual strategies, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. We have to develop, we have to develop these communal ways, just like what you're doing, like you're rocking, you're mm, you're grunting, right? Those are affirmatives for me, right? Those are, okay, Resmond, you move in the right direction, right? We don't even understand that that is a literal intelligence. Mm. That's that is a that that is not that when when I'm laying when I'm sitting in my grandmother's lap, my dad is going in and out of prison, my mama's gotta work 12 and 13 hours a day, and my grandmother is watching her shows, General Hospital and One Life to Live. She's sitting there watching her <laughs> <laughs> story. Yeah, her yes. stories. <laughs> uh when she's sitting there and, and and my ear is to her chest and she humming. Right? When she's doing that, that is healing. And what we have to do is because all of that stuff, all of those particular pieces tried to be stripped from us. Our role as black and brown and indigenous people in this moment, in this time, is to reclaim those pieces and cultivate a container. So when joy shows up, I don't reject it because I don't know it. When joy shows up, I'm able to tolerate it. Most people want good shit in their lives, but they can't tolerate it. That's not a personal defect. That is the design of the structure. The structure was designed particularly for black women. Think about this, sis. We come from a people that were legally raped for 250 years. Just pause on this. Like, 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 like legally raped. So there is a certain amount. I I don't use male and female energy. I use projective and receptive energy. There's a certain amount of projective energy that black people must put out in order to keep the system from ripping our hearts out on a daily basis. Right? So when we when we are navigating and you you run up against those pieces, we think it's a personal thing, it's personality. But 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 our survival depended on us not having our heart available to a rabbit feral system. Mm. 
And so, wow. so now what we have to do is reclaim those pieces that were shattered and, 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 and pushed out. We have to actually reach and reclaim those pieces and say, no, that is real. That is important. And now I'm in a, in, 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 in somewhat of a safe enough situation in my house. And I'm saying that tentatively. I'm in somewhat of a some that I can begin to condition my body to be able to hold joy in a way that's much more expansive. I don't, I never beat up my people. I understand that some of the strategies that we use are hurtful, are not good, are, are massage noir, are uh, homophobic, all of that different type of stuff. And we have to reclaim those pieces that they try to beat and rape and kill and urgent out of us. God. God, God. So the hip, so let me say this. So hip is my way of saying when something happens, when you're watching something in your personal, in the personal realm, or something happens in the personal realm, but the energy of it feel, the energy of it has an experience of more charge and weighted than, than maybe the, 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 the experience itself would suggest that that's not crazy. That yeah. what's happening is you're both dealing with the historical, the intergenerational, the persistent institutional, and the personal stuff all at the same time. That's why that's why you feel not not necessarily depressed, but suppressed, right? Mm. Is because is because that those those energy pieces are happening all at the same time. It's not because something is wrong with you. It's not because you don't have an adequate amount of uh of self-care techniques it's because mm. it is it but your self-care techniques are inadequate to deal with the communal horror the individual the, the 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 historical horror right the the intergenerational horror your individual strategies are not gonna you have to that has to be held with other bodies yes dropping gym there are just endless pathways that I want to go down, but the thing coming forward for me right now, and especially because this is a spirituality podcast and people that come to this show come for deeper understandings of higher consciousness and application of them. You know, what you're speaking to, what you're speaking to is exactly also why I believe so much of the wellness industry is unsafe Come on, come on, come on, come on. You get ready to get your damn podcast canceled. You get ready to get canceled. (laughs) But you know, because, and I, and I'd love to share with you, Resma, like one of the, one of the things that made me even really understand that ancestral healing is the path. Ancestral healing is the calling. And we have to formulate joy outside of this industry standard. We have to find our healing in indigenous practice. It's really, you know, everything that I would do, everything that I would do for the last couple of decades, anything that I was into, I'd always be the only person by far that looked like me in every room. Come on. Always be the youngest by far. And I think a lot of us have, have gotten used to saying that and expressing that as part of our story that, yeah, we, it was so rare. It was so different. But actually understanding the trauma that Come that re- reinforces within us when we're in those rooms trying yeah. to heal. Yeah. And it seems it seems subtle or it seems like you can come into a place of just, yeah, but on the spiritual level, we're all one and we're all. And I, I, I get into battles with people when I'm speaking places because I speak in rooms of people that look like me. Yeah. And I still now speak and teach in rooms where no one looks like me. And people always want to come back and say, yeah, but we're all one and we have to look past this and we have to get on, you know, because we're all equal. Yeah. Okay. As a soul. Yes. I'll give that to you. If I'm in, if I'm in the, you know, the fifth dimension, if I'm in the 12th dimension, for sure. We're all these little chunks of God floating around. Yeah. 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 In this place, in this wild, crazy battleground that is earth. Yeah. And I remember, I remember in one of the, in one of the programs that I'm in, 
um, one of the one of the certification programs I did, I I stood up and I was sharing that I was experiencing immense nonstop grief around how I was relating to my child. And that I couldn't sleep and I felt like it was going to kill me. I hadn't slept for over 10 days. And this was soon after my son was born and I was having nonstop anxiety. And I remember I stood up in class to share that. And my teachers, my, my multiple PhD holding, have been doing this work for 50 years, beautiful people in many ways, but my teachers can still only see and heal to the capacity of what is known to them. And when I stood up to share what I was walking through, I was shamed. I was shamed by them in front of 200 people. And I was shamed then for weeks by the rest of the class who would come up to me. And they were saying things like, well, maybe you're codependent. Maybe you're a helicopter mom. Maybe this, you know, you have to get out of your own way. You have to do... These things could have made me come up with such an immense amount of judgment around myself, or it could have made me drop out of the program. And it took me, and I knew not to believe any of that. I knew to just keep moving forward, but it took me almost a year to really wrap my mind around what had taken place in there and what it really was. And the fact is, it's like ancestrally, yeah, of course. Of course, I have anxiety around my black child Come on. being safe in this world. Come on. Of course, as a mother that is experiencing a depth of love this intense for the first time in my existence, I am frightened because there are no black men in my family, because all the black men I know in my life have had awful things happen to them, because this is a child in a very unsafe place that does not value black men and young black boys. And I have experienced so many of close black male friends to me being murdered. And it's like when people walk into these rooms and they want to just say, I don't see color, I don't see race, you should not teach. You are not safe yes. to be in those rooms. People have complex trauma that they walk around with. And we are doing such a disservice to their psyche, such a disservice to their soul by not pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone to study and learn your work, to study yes. and learn yes. other experiences. Yes. Yes. <sighs> Can we pause on that? Like, can we just pause on that yeah. for a second? I just, I'm, I want, I want you to hear me say something. Um, Um, if you, I want you to hear me say this to you and that is, I'm sorry that that happened. That should not have happened. And you are not defective. You are not defective. The structure is built on the white body deeming and deems itself the supreme standard by which all bodies shall be measured. Mm. It deems and deems, it deemed and deems itself the supreme standard by which all bodies, humanity shall be measured. So, Bringing a black body into existence, of course, is going to have some anxiety. That's not, that's not you. Wow. That's not craziness. That is you literally been tied to creation itself and, and, and not having the conditioning at that point to be able to suss out what the intelligences are, what, what's, what's being communicated. So it's, so it comes out or, or lands. Remember the body is both a, a receiver and an amplifier. And so when it lands in you, it lands as anxiety because that's the only, the only pathway that we know mm. to explain that energy. But in reality, this is what I say: there are se there are there are seven intelligences, 
And we as a people, as black people, as people of African descent, as 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 people underneath this 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 pigmentocracy that we have, that there is a vibe and vibratory intelligence that has to be cultivated and honed. There is an image, cognition, and thoughts that have to be honed. There is meaning making and shift back and forth and discernment that have to be honed. There's behavior and urges that have to be honed. There's affect and emotionality that have to be honed. There's sensation that has to be honed. And then there's imagination. I call it bimbasi. There's imagination that has to be honed. And what ends up happening is we have either been relegated to only thinking about it from the cognitive place or from the emotional place. But there are so many more intelligences that if we hone both individually and communally, we could have access to language will, then that language will start to emerge. So when you start to begin to, um, to, to have this experience, it's not contextualized in a personal defect. Mm. Mm. Ooh, I, I, Oof. And I feel like plugging in right now, Rizma, to say you are not broken. You're this not concept broken. of trying to fix something broken is That's not it. real. That's exactly right. Exactly right. You are, one of the things I say to people is that you, you the, not only are you not broken, the system is not broken. It is operating exactly the way it was designed to operate. Mm. And that is to grind your body your black body, your indigenous body into dust. That's the design. That has always been the design. And so you said something earlier about, about how you you stand up in these in these organizations or in these places and people say, well, aren't we all human? We're all human. So, you know, I don't see any, you know, they do that shit, right? And here's what I want to say to you is that, and I don't need to tell you this, but those people are dangerous. That is, when somebody does that, don't just take it as, oh, you know, they don't really get it. And if they had more information, da, 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 da. <laughs> when I hear that, I think that's vicious. Mm. That is violent. For you to use spiritual bypassing mm. and racial bypassing, to marginalize my vibratory experience, my image experience, my meaning-making experience, my my imaginational uh, imaginal experience, right? For you to use that move speaks to the. See, this is why I don't. This is why I say white white bodies. The idea of privilege, I think, is a non-starter. I don't. Th I think the term privilege does is not operational enough in terms of what. It, what actually is happening to us, right? What actually happened, what is actually happening, I don't say white privilege anymore. I say white advantage. In a, in a society that's predicated on the white body being the standard of humanness, it is an advantage. Wow. Not just a privilege, not just something you can use or not use. It is a distinct advantage for me, for you and me to be walking down the street together, it is a distinct advantage when a cruiser comes past for you to be in a white body. That is an advantage, not a privilege, an advantage. And those things are built into the structure of white body supremacy. It's built in. And so when somebody, when you set up and say this is the reality that people walk around, people that look like me walk around in, what they're trying to do is get you, they're trying to gaslight you and get you to buy into this spiritual bypassing. People, let me let me give you another. People love, white, white folks love, absolutely, and you can bleep this out, but this is the way I cut. I, I just cuss a little bit, right? White bodies fucking love to yoga the fuck out of everything. They mm. will, they will, they will use yoga to get around everything racial. If you, this, so, so, so race, the concept of race, which white people, white bodies developed, elite white bodies developed in, and poor white bodies ate in with handfuls, 
the concept of race in and of itself is a is 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 a concept that I believe um, makes it is it is immature off top. The concept that you can look at a body and say that is closer to human or not closer to human based on pigmentation is a crazy concept. But it has 400 years. Here's what I want to say. Four to five, that concept has four to 500 years of charge to it, right? That's why, that's why when you begin to, when you begin to talk about race, the charge fills the room before intellect does. The charge, white bodies think that their niceness and kindness is inadequate to deal with the feral nature of white supremacy and white body supremacy. They think as long as they're nice, and they don't call me the N-word and they and they look out for me and they send me things like like those things are an adequate response to the brutality of white supremacy. And oh, so but God. what they can't but they have not developed a culture, a collective culture that can hold the charge. That's why they break apart. That's why they start crying when you speak your truth. That's why they lose their effing mind when Colin Kaeper Kaepernick just kneels on the football field quietly. When, when, when Sister Osaka says, I'm, um, I don't want to do the press thing. And they, 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 they try and rip her heart out. Right. That's because, that's because that charge, they, they have, they don't have a culture that can actually hold it. They don't have a living embodied anti-racist culture. They have strategies. I know, I know I just went off, but I just, I, I, no, this is so powerful. You, they, and let me say, can, let me just say one more thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, say a hundred more things, Rasma, please. So, so let me say this. All of your genius and all of your beauty and all of the, and what I mean by beauty is what you bring to the, try and bring to these things. Let me say this to you. And I don't know how you're going to hear it, but I just got to say it. Mm. Don't let these people retrofit your genius into their bullshit. Mm. Mm. They will take little chunks of everything that you're doing and try and retrofit it. And at the moment that they do that, they 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 they, uh, they thwart and retard the emergence that's possible. This is one of the reasons. Like I was born and raised Baptist, but. That religion and religion can't hold black people in this, in the way, in this emergent generative way that I'm talking. They can't. Islam can't do it. Yoga can't do it. It can't hold it because there are already parameters and containers around it. What I'm talking about is an emergent generative uh, uh, connection between us. And so don't when you're when you're laying these jewels out, don't let these folks take it and then 10 years from now they'll you'll have somebody using your shit and your words and your you won't be able to recognize it vibratorily. You won't be able to recognize don't let them do that shit. And that's what they do. It is a it is a it is a colonization of ideas. Don't mm. let them do that without being checked. So, first things first, I would like to have a podcast that's just me and you that meets once a week. And <laughs> we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure something out. Because, my God, I mean, right now, literally, Resma, there are 100 different conversations that I want to have with you. There's yeah. just so many pathways available. Um, you know, where. I would like to I would like to go backwards for a second there. I want to speak to this piece about being able to open your body to joy, mm. being able to actually know what that feels like when it's being felt by you inside, because I think for so many of us, I'm someone that I'm a natural. I've always been really this kind of natural enthusiastic person. Mm -hmm. it, it's my natural programming, but also right. a byproduct of just forced resilience. Yeah. 
And I didn't realize how disconnected I was from my body, even as someone who was practicing meditation, doing yoga, doing all, I mean, all kinds of processing for well over a decade. Cognitively, everything made so much sense. And I was, I healed what I could heal with that ability. That's right. It wasn't until the last couple of years, Resma, that I actually came into the understanding that I did not live in my body. Come on. I actually was not present in my body. And it, Come on. it led me to dig deeper and even know like there were actually patches of my body that were numb. That Come I on. couldn't, that I was just like, even when I'd get a massage, I'd be like, no, can you go harder? And I'd have these massage <laughs> therapists telling me, I massage men five times the <laughs> right weight that, that right. don't go this hard, right. you know? Like, right. Right. And I was like, really? I barely feel it. Mm. And that is. And that was shocking to me to get that feedback that mm. it was not natural to ask someone to, to like abuse you damn near, yeah, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I, I couldn't feel it and I couldn't yes. get relief in my body. I suffered from chronic pain for almost 20 years. Yeah. I couldn't get it out of my body. Yep. And about two, two, two and a half years ago, I really started to look at what is enthusiasm what is excitement and Come what on. is actually embodied joy? What Come is on. a felt Ooh. joy in my cells? Mm. And it led me on this journey of completely stripping my life, redeveloping my my spiritual practice. I haven't watched television, movies, anything in two years. Mm. I dedicate every night to dancing, literally mm, just it. dancing with myself, going through ritual, um, even learning. I, I taught myself how to massage my myself, how to use that's different it. trigger points, that's it. having, you know, routine um, ceremonial baths, like doing deep, deep meditation. It, it literally has changed me in a way. Last night I broke down in tears at the thought of it. And I said, I don't recognize my life at all. Yes. What yeah. a blessing. Yeah. What a yeah. blessing. And it was a yeah. life I thought was pretty damn good. Yeah. 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 And I don't recognize it at all. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful to have found my body in a way that I, I don't, I still don't even have language around what that actually means and how I feel it. Yeah. But it's a, it's the deepest level of liberation possible in my life. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. This is, you just said, that last piece that you just said, I think is very profound, that this work, this work, this this embodied work is liberatory. It is, it is a, it is, it is, it is about liberation. Mm. Is that, um, um, it, so, so let me say this. So it is a relatively new occurrence, relatively new, Sister Debbie, that me and you could be on a call like this or talking like the way that we're talking and be somewhat sure that there's not a lynch party waiting outside our doors. Wow. That's a new occurrence. That's new. That is not old. That is new. Okay? So 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 when I hear you talk about rest. And re, re 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 reforming your life and going and noticing numbness and all that different type of stuff. You think that that's well. Sometimes we think that that's okay. That yeah, that's self. But 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 it really is revolutionary for a black body to even begin to explore the parameters of rest. Think mm. about that. That is, that's, that's, that's new, right? And so, you know, the idea that the, the, the beautiful part about you saying that there are parts of your body that you didn't even know were numb. I want, I want to just reframe that just a little bit. And I want to say that your body had protected parts of your body, had, your, your, the self had protected parts of yourself that did not that could not at the time be available to the rest of the world or even to yourself because, mm. because had they been, there would might've mm. been parts of you that might've been lost. And what I want to say to you is that that, wow. that is not a defect. That's protect. I always say, you know, uh, birds, Birdman says, put some respect on my name. When I say people was put some respect on protect, right? Put some respect mm. on it. Right. And when you're ready to, mm-hmm. And the other piece is that some of the parts of the body that that 
didn't or could not show up at the time may have not just been able to show up because of things that have happened to you in your own personal experience, but they may actually be what I call um, um, traumatic pass downs, right? That if you come from a people, no matter which line, but you come from a people whose bodies, they could not be present with their bodies because to do so would bring so much horror and anguish that they might not have survived. When you're getting raped for 250 oh. years, you better not be in your body. So what gets passed down over time is this constriction, because as that body is dealing with the brutality, there are also younger bodies that are connected to that, that can't feel that body. So then that gets passed down as personality, as culture, as, mm -hmm. uh, but it's actually how we organize around the trauma. So what I want to say to you is the reason why you need to respect it is because the numbness may not only be yours, but it may be your ancestors. Yeah, yeah. That's why you have to slow yeah. it down. That's yeah. why you have to respect it. That's why you have to, that's why you have to grieve and cry and rock and wail and not know where the fuck is coming from, right? That's why you have to do that mm -hmm. because this stuff has charge to it. It was not safe for you to be in your body. For, for historically, intergenerationally, persistent institutionally. Black people and brown people, indigenous people do not suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. We suffer from pervasive and persistent traumatic mm. stress disorder. It's different. God, that joy, is so... Let me say just is, this. The, the joy pieces, the joy pieces, is that we so busy looking for loud joy that we mm -hmm. can't hear faint joy. We haven't conditioned our bodies to hear faint joy. We haven't conditioned our bodies to hear and understand the faintness. That is a conditioning process. If I told you that I was that I was thinking about running a marathon and you said, okay, brother, yeah, that'd be cool, la, la, la. And then I, and you said, brother, when you thinking about running this marathon? And I told you tomorrow, you don't need to know a whole lot about me to know that there's a lot of pain coming in my future. Why? Because I have a condition and prepped to be able to withstand the amount of brutality that I'm getting ready to put my body through. This is the same thing. You have to get reps in. You have to get invited. You have to rep and condition your body to be, be able to withhold and withstand not only the charge of, 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 of racialized trauma, but also the charge of joy. How do I even know what soft, faint joy is how do I understand the experience of it if I don't begin to 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 in, in small doses get chunks of it so I can let that my body metabolize it over time and then I take a little another little chunk and metabolize over time so over time I can recognize what big joy is through my process of understanding faint joy. Mm. Oh my God, Resma! I want to I want to sink in right now and offer a practice for everyone listening. What you just said is um, not only is it so powerful, but it's such deep confirmation for me and things that God was really breadcrumbing and whispering to me over the last few years, um, because that piece is is really what even started the rest of that journey I described to you. It was like, I was like, okay, find tiny joy every day, find something tiny That's and it. something free That's that it. you actually let yourself savor. That's and it. that turned into for me saying, oh, wow, I love the way sunshine feels on my skin. Every time I notice that the sun and I are connecting in some way, that's that for me is God. That for me is joy. And as you shared, it's like it 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 peppered me. It seasoned me. That's it prepared it. That's me. It. To That's receive it. really that grander, like deeply authentic joy. I think mm. a lot of times in our community, because there would be so little opportunity to celebrate, mm. so little opportunity mm. to be unbounded, mm -hmm. that it became about more grand celebrations. Yeah. And every day that wasn't a grand celebration yeah. was more of like an endurance. Yeah. And so we're only used yeah. to like, yeah, let's celebrate yeah. each other. Oh, go, 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 yeah. way to do it. You know, yeah. like. In these right. in these bigger things or in yeah. these holidays or in right. these, you know, right. 
family gatherings, right. um, reunions. Right. right. But sometimes that day-to-day depth, it yeah. really lacks in our households and in yeah. our communities. Yeah. That day-to-day witnessing of one That's another. It. That's it. And all of the the smaller ways of overcoming or the smaller ways of embodying. Yep we don't always have the chance to sink into. And so that is also one of the barriers of why sometimes life doesn't feel like enough, even yes. to a point with other healing where maybe it should, or you yeah. think it would, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's some of those kind of background things that are, that are happening and running That's those right. apps That's that right. are running in the back. That's right. That's right. There's a, so, 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 um, so in my trauma work, um, in my office, so so, so I've, I've I've I sometimes like for a while, all that was coming into my office were black women with um, with vaginal fibroid issues, chronic pain type stuff, right? Yeah. And um, and one of the things that I would talk with them about because a lot of times when they would come into my office, it would be like almost this shame and grief and anguish around why, you know, why is this happening to me personally? Right. Like this, 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 this piece is so, um, 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 you know, the, the, you know, my mama had it, my grandmama had it, right. Like the, like, like these, why do Mm -hmm. we have these things? And one of the things that, that I used to work with them on is this piece that I call scaffolding. Right. Because a lot of times people come into my office and they want they want an answer to a problem. They want they want to know why something is happening. And one of the things that I say with with people is that let's begin to construct a scaffolding. So as the answers emerge, they can actually be held as opposed to blown away or put aside. Right. Like you 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 it's almost like the like. You know, when you get a vaccine, they give you a little bit of what might make you sick in order to to, to stir the body's um, mm-hmm. immune response, right? Mm-hmm. And so that that's a level of scaffolding, right? If they give you too much, you'll get sick. You could possibly die. If they don't give you enough, it's not an, it's not effective, right? But the scaffolding in terms of in terms of our people and healing. I think a lot of times we 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 give scaffolding we 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 think we're helping people by giving them answers but what we're not doing is holding the scaffolding holding the container holding um the 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 experience so as things begin to emerge up out of it, so so let me say this so one of the reasons why we have to work with trauma historical, intergenerational, persistent institutional, personal traumas, is that trauma is not primary. Trauma is an energy. It is a thwarting energy. It is a thwarting energy that's designed to protect, right? And so it is a constrictive energy. It is a shutting down energy. We have to work with trauma individually and communally in order to in order to work with the loosening of it, realizing that it's protective, that it's going to come back and slam in. What we do a lot of times with healing is say, let's get you open. Let's just release everything and let's just, right? And we don't realize that the protective parts of our yeah. body won't allow, that to, to, won't allow that to stand. So when people slam back, then we start saying shit like, well, some, there was, must have been an underlying issue I didn't know about or something we didn't get to. So you need to tell me more of your secrets. You, what, we start to mm-hmm. put the blame inside of the body as opposed to understanding that this is how it works. So the reason why you have have to work with it over time is because as it loosens up now what's really primary and that is joy love and connection can start to emerge it's already there but it starts to emerge as you loosen it but you also understand that it's going to shut again there's nothing going wrong when that happens it's part of the process and that's why you have to keep getting little pieces of it that's that builds the scaffolding that builds it so over time you can begin to receive it more and then other things begin to unfold you go oh i thought i already dealt with that hear this shit come back around again right there's nothing going wrong when that happens that is that's how that's how creation works 
Wow. And that, you know, what comes forward when you say that as well, the reinforcing of holding yourself as sacred, especially as you are seeking out your healing and seeking out your teachers and seeking out the modalities that will get you there. Um, Because that also speaks to, you know, there is a spiritual science. Mm -hmm. To healing. There's a mm-hmm. spiritual science to mm-hmm. holding a container for mm-hmm. others, for yeah. yourself. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't believe, I don't believe in those um, spaces that are the style of yelling some at someone yeah. to heal, yeah. yelling yeah. at someone yeah. to get them out yeah. of their limiting yeah. belief. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, go for it. Yeah. Something that I've always loved that Deepak says is that motivation is the lowest form of human inspiration. Mm. And it's like trying to get someone to, is that a bar? <laughs> you know, That's a straight like, bar. <laughs> like this yeah. idea that you, that you're going to motivate somebody or, or speak to them like a drill sergeant in a way to get them out of their own way. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, yeah. not for black yeah. and brown bodies. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> not if you have had an ancestry and a history. Come on into the the hundreds and the thousands of years of the entire world treating you like that every day. No, what you need and what you deserve is softness. What you need and what you deserve is a gentle flow. It is a grace. It is a, a, a tenderness, a learning how to tend to self, you know, how to be with self, how to touch self in every aspect of the word. Mm-hmm. And it's like that space that you were speaking to is another one of the ways that I think we, without realizing it, become really unsafe in our healing. Yeah. Be careful who you allow to speak yes. into your life. Come on. Be careful who you allow yourself to work with. Be and careful you- who, put your, who put their hands on you. Oof. Right? Be careful who put their hands on you. I, 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 you know, I, I say to people all the time, you know, sometimes we're, we're in, so one of the primary rubrics of white body supremacy, one of the primary rubrics, rubrics is urgency, right? Mm. That is a, that, get it, do it, but faster, right? That urgency has been interwoven. So, so one of the things that happens is that we confuse vocation with virtue. We think because somebody is a damn guru that that automatically makes them virtuous. Mm. <clears throat> it does not. Police officers are not virtuous. You bring virtue as it, virtue emerges from you. It doesn't happen because you put on a uniform. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Right. We get those things confused. And I think when you're talking about communal work, right? A lot of the work that I do with people communally it is an emergent work. It is not, okay, you do this, you do this, you turn around three times, you stretch this, you, you know, you do you know, upward, dog, downward, whatever you do, all right? To, 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 you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? That there will be things that come to you. That if you are, if you, but that if you can only receive it in this particular way, that thing that is supposed to come to you will be truncated, right? And so you have to go slowly with this. You have to listen to when that vibe comes up that I have a teacher, but something's off. You don't automatically go to override in order to, in order to, you know, we, we go to override a lot. We override what's happening for ourselves, right? Our experiences in order to stay in contact with another human being. Right. It's, the, yeah. it's what I call it's what it's, it's a form of dirty pain. Right. In my book, I talk about clean pain and dirty pain. Dirty pain is that pain that when stuff shows up, you override it and move through it or you override it and get around it. And clean pain is the pain as adults is the pain that you get when you say, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm not doing that no more. That's cleaner. It's still painful. As adults, we don't get a choice between clean and dirty. And so we, or, or b- between pain and no pain, we get the choice between clean and dirty, 
right? And at each moment, you know, the, the motivational, so, so the motivational thing, there's two. So when I was in Afghanistan, you said this thing about softness. When I came from back from Afghanistan, one of the things that my wife told me, um, I, uh, I think it was, it was right around Juneteenth. Me and her were talking. We was getting ready to take the kids someplace. And, uh, we had, I had been back from, um, Afghanistan for, uh, maybe two years and she stopped me and she goes, you know, um, before we go, I, I this, I got to say something to you. And I'm like, what? She says, ever since you've been back, I can't feel you. Oh, wow. And I was like, what the fuck you talking about? You, know, you can't feel me that, <laughs> you know, and of course that turned into a thing. Cause you know, and then, and then, and then, um, she goes, you are not, there's no softness to you anymore. Oh, wow. And, you know, I was like, and, and I knew it because, you know, I had, when I got back, it was suicidal stuff. All this stuff was happening. Um, and uh, uh, the, the idea of cultivating softness at that time when I was going through it is a non-starter. It wouldn't have, like if somebody, as people were talking, yeah. like as people were talking to me about softness, it was a non-starter. And I'm glad people were talking to me about softness, right? You see what I mean? Like I couldn't, yes. there's nothing I could do with it at that time. At that time. Right. But I'm but glad. But it let you know it was on the table. It was on the, it, it was, was available in the buffet. That's, ex that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so. I, so one of the, the only way, and this is going to sound different to you, the only way that I was able to condition myself to be able to kind of get to a place to where I could invite the idea of more softness and vulnerability in was to listen to motivational tapes. Mm. Like I was so hardened that, no, and for some of us, that's what has to happen. You're so hardened and you're so, you're so um, protective, Right that softness ain't going to be able to get in. Softness comes on the back end, not the front end, right? And so and so for me, like people like C.T. Fletcher and people like David Goggins and and and, and Inky Johnson and um, Eric, you know, the hip hop, like people like that, I had, they were so like, <laughs> right, <laughs> right? That that was the only thing that I could yeah. take. That was the only experience that, and then, but I had enough to me and enough people around me that would say the soft things that as I began to loosen a little bit, that maybe the, 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 a little bit of the grass blade could come up just a little bit. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I could tolerate that for a period of time. Keep listening yes. to my motivational tapes, but, but people think that motivational motivation and motivational tapes are an end all and be all. They are not for some and people. That, they're part that's of the process. The piece. Yeah. 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 That is a hundred percent the piece because motivation, we have to, we have to motivate ourselves mm -hmm. to be willing to change. That is a necessary part of the spiritual curriculum, Yeah, but we can't stop at having and been turned on it. a little. We that's can't it. stop at having <laughs> that's our it. engine, that's you it. know, mm -hmm. it's like, you have to, you have to keep going into the piece where the only way radical change, the only yes. way cellular healing can come take place. Come on, come on. It is from the deepest level of inspiration. That's right. That's right. God is God is inspiration. When I say right. inspiration, I mean yeah. the experience of God in yourself yeah. and in yeah. your life. Yeah. That is yeah. the only way that that will actually be an embodied change. Yeah. To yeah. start, motivation is a powerful tool. You got to yeah. get up. Yeah. You got to get you, up. You, you got to move. Out you of gotta, the proverbial yeah. bed it. and That's plant it. your feet on the ground and go. That's it. But to sustain it. That's to it. sustain it to transform it to alchemize it into that's more. It. That's it. It has to get moved to that depth of inspiration. That's it. That's it. And that takes time. People think that you go to a damn workshop and that's it. That ain't, that's, <laughs> <Listen>. <laughs> <laughs> mm -mm. Mm -mm. There are things you're gonna learn about yourself. It's what I call the suffering's edge. That you got to get. Sometimes you got to get to the suffering's edge before you even know what life is. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting in my car, you know, got a, new, a brand new car, 
back from Afghanistan, bills are paid, doing good. And I'm sitting in my car with my Glock nine millimeter or my nine millimeter sitting in the, um, in the other seat, just like in a parking lot. Mm. And, um, and I'm a, and I'm a trauma therapist, right? <laughs> and I'm, and I'm sitting there like that, that you better, you better, you better learn how to slow it down and work with the slowing down and work with the uncomfortableness of slowing it down. Um, uh, 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 and that involves getting to your suffering's edge, getting to those mm-hmm. places that you have been unwilling. It's what I call rug therapy. Uh, rug therapy is, you know, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you sweep a lot of shit under the rug, right? Rug therapy is going up underneath it and actually looking at all that shit you just slept on. You just slept on. Ah! <laughs> That's rug therapy. Rug therapy is not for weak people. <laughs> the only thing that makes you ready for, for long-term relationships and marriage is marriage and long-term relationships. Anybody that tells you any different, they, they try to sell you some snake oil. This, this, you, marriage and long-term relationships are people growing machines. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Divine mirroring. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So I, I have 1 million more (laughs) talking points and questions. I actually did not even, uh, get to my first question, but (laughs) we are out of time. So it's all right. right. That just means we got to do this again. That's all. Oh, my brother, we have to, I, my God, I, I am, I am so grateful for you. Everyone, 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 please um, do yourself this high act of service and spend time with Resma's work. You can connect with him on Instagram. His New York Times bestselling book that will change your life is called My Grandmother's Hands. It is available everywhere. Get it next day delivery via Prime on Amazon. You can be reading this by tomorrow um, or anywhere else that you get your books. But this and spend time running this episode back, I want you to write down any terminology we brought forward that isn't clear in this moment and spend time looking it up, you know, really spend some time investigating, adding, adding somatic experiencing, adding this somatic practice will change your existence and will change the existence of your lineage, the children that come from you, the children that come from them. So take a little time, Google it, look some things up. And as a little soul work, this is what I like to give everyone at the end of the episode. Um, And Resma, I would love to invite you to share some soul work, an embodied practice, a somatic practice, or an observation of self that um, everyone can spend some time with today or over the weekend. Well, we've we've been actually doing it through the whole episode through, through this whole thing and that is pause mm. just pause you don't have to do it you don't even have to hold the pause for longer than than three seconds just pause but do it consistently for from now on just notice yourself pausing and then be curious about what emerges as you notice there is a when we pause one of the things that we have to contend with is the 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 visceral quaking that's why most of us don't pause and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about meditation i'm talking about literally pausing just for a second or two or three yes and keep doing that throughout your days just that i don't need, i don't need to tell you nothing else if you do that and begin to notice what starts to emerge or what constricts, right? That's the practice. I, I talk mm-hmm. about it as practices, not as not as exercises, as practice yeah. practices. So yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. And people can people can reach me at resma.com, R-E-S-M-A-A.com. Also. Resma.com. Everyone, spend time there. Take a moment after you do your pause practice and journal a little bit and perhaps use the prompt of, how do I relate to my body? And see where that takes you. If you started journaling there and you 
you create the intention of having an awareness around how do I relate to my body? Mm. That will lead you to understanding how am I using my body? How do I experience my body? How do I feel my body? How do I share my body? And just start to observe and the answers will start to pour in. Resma.com, my grandmother's hands available everywhere. Resma, I am, I am so, 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 so grateful for your life. I'm grateful for your wisdom. I am so grateful that you answered your divine calling and you answered it when you did. My God, thank you for your life's work. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your commitment to your own healing, which allowed you to help all the rest of us on our journeys. Mm. I love you, my brother. I am love grateful you too, for you. <laughs> Thank you. Cannot wait to be with you again. Yes. Talk to you soon. Big love. Hey, find me on social. Let's connect. At Debbie Brown. That's Twitter and Instagram. Or go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And send this episode to a friend. Dropping Gems is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Jack Cleese and me, Debbie Brown. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.